People think 10% good. 10% you're going to be working your whole life, right? You got to get up to 20, 30, 40% savings rate. Now, that doesn't mean you can't live a nice life. If you can drive income, you can still have a very nice life without overspending. Most of the money you spend, you waste, right? You buy stuff because there's money in your pocket. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Rocky Lalvani. Today, we're talking about the profit-first system and how it applies to real estate investing. We dive into the whole system. I'm not going to belabor the point here. You're going to get to know what it is, but we've talked about it previously with the uh, kind of founder and codifier of the profit-first system. Mike Michalowicz. We talked about it in a more, say, general sense with Mike, and today we're honing that down to just talk about the profit first system and how it applies to real estate investing. You're going to enjoy it. I know I did. Think about your profits first, make a plan and execute just like we're talking about today, and it will work out. If you're new to the show and you do enjoy it, your Apple podcast user asks you to take a quick second, leave us a rating review on Apple podcasts. It's very much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us grow. And I won't lie. That helps me feel good. I get to see that you guys are engaging with the content you're learning and growing alongside us, escaping the Wall Street casino. And I love to see it. If you do enjoy it, take a quick second, go to that favorite podcast app, whatever you use, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit that subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Like I said, we're here to help you escape the Wall Street casino by investing in real assets, investing in cash flowing real estate in whatever way suits you and your goals. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I want to thank you for tuning in today. You're going to enjoy it. Without any further ado, here we go with Rocky Lalvani. Rocky, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Taylor, for having me. Excited to chat with you. So am I. So am I. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your business, can you tell us about your background a little bit? And then we're going to dive right into the topic here. So I finally figured out what I wanted to do in life and what kind of met my natural talents. And that's what I do today. So I'm a profit first professional, which basically means I work with small business owners, uh, people involved in real estate, and I help them to actually build their wealth the old-fashioned way. And it's you know simple principles as spend less than you make, invest the difference, and do it wisely. And so I help them to make the right choices. I was shocked to learn that most business owners don't look at their financials. And I couldn't figure it out until I realized, oh, they're not accountants and they don't want to be. The fact that I've always been a spreadsheet geek, like literally I was playing with VisiCalc back in the 80s, teaching accountants how to go from paper ledger to electronic. It's just the way I'm thinking built. And I didn't realize what the market opportunity was to uh, to be able to help people with this. Now that I figured it all out, I'm just having fun. Awesome. Awesome. So we've had Mike Michalowicz on the show before, but uh, I'm sure you know we've got plenty of listeners out there who haven't heard that interview and may not know uh, the core concepts behind profit first. Maybe maybe sounds self-explanatory uh, on the high level, but can you give us you know the explanation of what is profit first and what does it mean for real estate? So Mike was a serial entrepreneur. He he sold his businesses, walked away with a lot of money, and then promptly lost it all. 
He said, geez, well, I thought I was so smart, but I'm not. How do I fix this? And now he writes all these books to help small business owners do it right. The principle behind profit first is that the equation you are given is sales minus expenses equals profit. Well, that makes profit a leftover, right? It's it's something that you find out at tax time when your accountant says, congratulations, you're profitable. Here's how much you owe in taxes, which the first question is, is where is that money? And two, how the hell am I supposed to pay that tax bill? Right. That's usually what happens. So Mike said, let's make a better equation. And the equation now is sales minus profit equals expenses. So we take our profit first, right? You pay yourself first. And we put money aside for your pay, for your profit, for your taxes. So when tax time comes, the, the business owners that use this, they go, crap, that's a lot of money in taxes. And then they look at their tax account and they go, wow, I have that money. And they stroke a check and they're proud of themselves because they're not freaking out. And they move on with life. So it is a cash management system that pretty much it's it's about giving every dollar a job, sending it on its way to do that job, and to make profit a priority in your business. Nice. And one of the things that, to me, kind of uh, strikes the ear about this, or maybe, a, I suppose, maybe a way it could go wrong, is I think if you've been investing in real estate long enough, you've probably run into the property that's been owned by the same investor for 30 years who thought he was putting his profit first and in reality was just being cheap about expenses and not keeping the property up to shape and all of that. How do you, as a real estate investor, avoid doing that and make sure you're not just trying to get 100% profit at the expense of your expenses, if you will? This is what people think. But mm -hmm. that is not what Profit First is about. We're Perfect. about smart business. So let's talk about real estate investing. You buy property X, right? You you come up with your spreadsheet. You do your pro forma. You say, okay, we're going to put uh, X percentage aside for vacancy, right? And we're going we're gonna to calculate this amount of money for long-term improvements, correct? We're going to put this kind of money in for routine maintenance, and then this is what our, our principal, our interest, our taxes are, and this is what our bills are. Everybody does this. And then they get their rent checks. How many people do you think put money aside for vacancy <laughs> in a separate account? Zero. Okay. How many people put money aside for the long-term improvement? Zero. And then, then the roof leaks. And then the guy's like, oh, I can't afford to fix the roof. How am I supposed to do this? If I borrow money, I can't afford it. And that's where you get in the trap that you're talking about. With profit first, what we do is the money comes in. You pay your mortgage, your taxes, whatever you need to do. Um, if you're not escrowing your taxes, then you put that month's portion of the tax in, a, in an account labeled real estate tax. So when the tax bill comes, you stroke a check, which is what the mortgage company is doing for you. You put your vacancy aside. You put your long-term improvement percentage aside. So when the roof needs to get replaced, which it will, you go, oh, it's 15000 for a new roof. Oh, look, I have money in my capital improvement account. I can stroke a check. Oh, wow, that was easy. Here's the real killer. Vacancy this month. There's, there's no money coming in. How am I supposed to pay the mortgage? Well, oh, look. I can take money out of my vacancy account. I just put it in my account and I allocate it as I normally do. And I can pay my mortgage and I sleep at night. So basically what you're doing is you're giving each dollar, each dollar a job. 
You're putting it in a separate bank account for the sole purpose of using it for that job. And then you're going on with life. And these accounts over time build up massively. And if you're doing this, I'm going to say professionally, let's say you've got 50 units or 25 units, and this is how you run your business and you don't do anything else. Well, we take a percentage out of each property and we put it in your pay account. So at the end of the month, you're like, hey, I can pay myself. Look, there's money in my pay account. You might put money aside for buying your next property. So you'll have a profit account. And little by little, that profit account builds up. And then you go, hey, I've got enough money to make the next investment. And I can put down the down payment or whatever you want to do. So it's really about discipline, mindset, and giving every dollar a job. Mm, okay. Do you want direct access to passive commercial real estate investments, including apartments, self-storage, medical facilities, hotels, and even more? CrowdStreet has you covered. They provide access to a wide variety of commercial real estate syndications for accredited investors. Over 520 deals have been closed through the platform, and investors have placed over $2.1 billion, that's billion with a B, in those deals. Go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash CrowdStreet to get started, or click the link in the show notes. See the CrowdStreet platform for full terms and conditions of what they offer. Once again, that's PassiveWealthStrategy.com slash CrowdStreet to get started. That's great. So I appreciate you kind of setting me straight there and, you know, showing me the difference between that, uh, you know, the theory everybody says, oh, I'm going to have this money to do these long-term capital improvements and the practice of actually putting it in the, in, in its place. Why do you think uh, most people who, who don't do that, they have the intention, but they don't follow through. Why do you think they ultimately don't follow through? They make that mistake and they wind up with an unexpected bill that they are maybe not prepared to pay. You sit down to TV, right? You grab a bag of chips. What do you do? You finish the bag of chips and you don't even remember <laughs> eating it, right? Same thing, bowl of candy, right? You do the same thing. This is what happens to your bank account. You see a bank account with a lot of money. You go, look at all that money. I need to spend it, right? I need mm -hmm. to buy another property. I need to do this. I need to do that. It's temptation. Instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, there's a lot of money in that account, but I still have to pay taxes. Oh, the roof needs to be replaced next year. That's why that money's in that account. You know, it's just human nature. It's the way we are. We see money. We see potato chips. We mindlessly spend it. Absolutely. That's that's why I, personally I can't buy chips because I will finish all of them. Yeah. I, I, I've learned that. So that's a that's a so good analogy. Buy, buy the little bag that's like three quarters of an ounce and now you have portion control and you can go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll eat my one bag and I'm done. Yeah, that's true. But the problem is those little bags tend to come in bigger bags of multiple little bags, but that's a, that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing. So in practice, you know, as you become a real estate investor, you, okay, so we're going to make this plan. We're going to say, okay, I'm going to actually set this money aside for vacancy or long-term capital improvements or, or taxes or what have you. You're literally opening separate bank accounts at separate banks, the same banks. Like, let's talk some of the nuts and bolts here of making this happen. Are you, do you hire somebody to handle distributing these funds between different places? So you don't, uh, uh sit down with the bag of chips yourself. Like let's walk through actually performing. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So tell us so, about that. Number one, you can open all the accounts at the same bank, except 
if you're like McCallowitz and you with potato chips, if you're going to get tempted and you're going to spend your capital improvement on a new Corvette, (laughs) you need to put it in a separate bank. And if you need to have a second signatory on it to hold you accountable, do that. So if you can trust yourself, great. If you can't, second bank. As far as the allocations, what I do for my clients is I create a spreadsheet and it's all figured out and they just put the number in. And and if you're in real estate, you know what your number is every month. Like it's pretty standard. When all the rent comes in, this is how much I need to put everywhere. It takes you two minutes on your phone or on your computer to just move the money to those accounts. Whoever's doing your accounting and bookkeeping, they'll just grab the transactions. It's like an extra five transactions a month. They don't care. It's not hard to do. So, you know, that's basically the way it is. Most people don't like giving over control of their bank accounts, which is fine. And it doesn't take long to move the money. I mean, literally once a month, you're done in about two minutes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with these clients that you work with, what are some common mistakes that you see them making once they get into the system? They understand some of the basic ideas, but if it was as easy as understanding the basic idea, then we'd all be billionaires and you know there would be no poverty and all of that. So what are the number, mistakes that they make? Number one is accountability. They just don't do it. They say they're going to do it and they don't. I can tell you right now, all of your listeners heard Mike on this podcast. I guarantee you, uh, maybe 1% took action, Mm -hmm. which means people just don't do it. Like, you know, it's like, I want a great body, go to the gym. Yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. (laughs) And, And that's the number one thing. So it's accountability. It's the discipline of doing it. Number two, people don't know where to start. So they can't figure out what their initial allocations are. They don't know how to get from where they are to where they want to be. So they get stuck. And when you hit friction, you just stop and you go about something else becomes important and you go do that. So I remove all the friction. I give them the accountability. I take them step by step from where they are today to where they need to be. This is not an overnight success story. Like for most clients, depending on where you're at to where you want to be, might take a couple of years. We might need to put in systems and processes. We might need to raise rents. We might need to figure out other types of things that can change the levers to give you the excess cash flow to be able to put the money in all the different places. Because when you sit down and you figure it out, you might realize this property is not doing what I thought it was doing. And so now you got to make changes and you can't make changes overnight. It might take you a year before you can raise rent. Maybe you've got to do some property improvements to raise rent because that'll give you the better long term. So a variety of things go. So it's just helping them walk through all of that. Mm, Okay. So uh, before we started recording, you were telling me about how you, you you and your personal life before Mike came out with the profit first book. This was just something that you did in your life that, you know, led you to uh, a great financial position. Can you tell us about that and, and what that really meant for, for you? And, you know, so I got my first job before I got my first paycheck. What I did was I signed up for the stock plan. I signed up for the credit union. I signed up for the 401k. And then as soon as the money got into my bank account, my dad handed me a brokerage account that he had had for me. There wasn't much in it, but they would auto swipe money every month and put it in mutual funds. And so all of these things just started. And what I did was every year when I got a raise, I would slightly increase the percentage. And every time I paid off a debt, 
I would start putting the debt payment. I would just add it and put it into another account Mm -hmm. so that the next time I had to buy a car, well, I already had the money saved because I kept putting the car payment towards the next thing. We did that all the way through paying off the mortgage and like towards the end, like tons and tons of money is going into savings, like a super high savings rate. People think 10% is good. 10% you're going to be working your whole life, right? You got to get up to 20, 30, 40% savings rate. Now, that doesn't mean you can't live a nice life. If you can drive income, you can still have a very nice life without overspending. Most of the money you spend, you waste, right? You buy stuff because there's money in your pocket. At the end of the month, go back and look at last month's credit card statement, right? There'll be all these charges on there. You'd be like, I don't even remember what I spent on that. And that's the problem. So it's controlling the spending. We all spend too much. It's the American way. I think that's definitely true. And that's, you know, for my my personal life, that's something I, I really did a lot, especially early on as I, you know, in the W-2 space, didn't start out making what I wanted to make, but kept my expenses low and really focused on earning more. And I, I think that's one of the things that, uh, say, Robert Kiyosaki tends to to talk about. Don't Don't live below your means necessarily really expand your means. And I think managing your expenses is also obviously very important, but you know, paying yourself first, making sure you're making those investments for the long term, And, you know, you won't even, you, you won't even notice that you've done so much over after a few years. No. And that's it. This is not an overnight success story. This is years of doing it. And it's years of making changes of one, two, three, four, five percent. But if you make a change of, you know, I tell people, Open up one account, just put 1% of your money in it. You're not going to miss a buck out of 100. At the end of the quarter, add another percent. And if you keep doing that, at the end of three years, you're saving 12% and you didn't even notice it. You won't even miss it, which means at the end of five years, you're up to what, 20%? So again, it's not overnight, slow, steady change. This is the power of compounding. Because that's really where it comes. If you if you can understand the power of compounding and how that works, it is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I think the the those incremental moves are are very important, and continuing to ratchet it up and and monitor, say, your lifestyle and things like that. And I'm and I'm glad you mentioned the ten percent savings rate because that, that's oftentimes what we hear and and people say that you think 10% savings rate is high and it's it's not it's dismally low and if you stay there you're going to be working forever and that's just it's just math i mean it's not complicated it might not be happy math but it's reality nice very yeah. very true yeah great well right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called 
ground floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Rocky, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? So, you know what? It's funny. I, I bought a bunch of real estate and my best one was actually my lowest price property. It's probably my lowest. Like it wasn't something that I would normally buy. But I was like, you know what? That's a deal. I'll go ahead and take it. And then I split the property in the sense that I rented the house. It had a two-car garage separate than the house. So I rented the house separate. I rented the garage separate. And it's one of my best cash-flowing properties. And I underpriced it for rent. So I always have like 100 people wanting to move in. So I get the best tenant. And it's a commercial property with a house on it. So one day it may have commercial valuation. And it just, it's, it was counterintuitive to what I was used to doing. And so it actually turned out to be my best property versus all my fancy properties were not as good cash flowing. Nice. The unexpected one sometimes works out better than the others, others do. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? So I can't tell you how many stocks that I have bought on fear of missing out and based on somebody telling me this was going to the moon and they went to zero. And I keep making that mistake way too often. You get excited, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like Bitcoin. Everyone's excited right now. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's true. It can be difficult to step back from the excitement in any investment, you know, really, and and really see it objectively and and have a maybe a five, 10 year view about it. That could that can be difficult to do. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Start. Literally, you cannot steer a ship that is in port. Too many people say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll start when it's perfect. I'll buy my first real estate deal when I've got every question answered. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll start this business when X. And the reality is, and, and even for me, like I wasted 20 years before I bought my first real estate deal, even though I knew all the information, right? I, I wasted my life working for a W-2 instead of starting my business. That is probably the biggest thing. Start, you'll figure it out. Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job and go out and do something. I'm saying start. You can do, you can start learning on the side. You can start testing the market. You can start building something. You know, if it's real estate, maybe you get a partnership with three of your buddies. You go buy your first house. You are better off buying a house and failing than you are paying 30 grand for an education course in real estate, right? So just go start, do it, screw up. And then get better. Nice. And that, that's the biggest lesson I've learned. I waited too long for too many things in life. I like that. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's true. And a lot of folks try to, especially now the market's hot and they say, when's the crash going to come? When are we going to have the next great recession so I can finally get in? And I think most of the time when I hear folks saying that, 
it's really more of an excuse to not do anything than it is a, an, a really informed position about the state of the market from somebody who's actively looking at deals, making offers, and trying to make it happen. And it's important to understand when you're using it as an excuse versus understanding what's going on and just not being able to close on a deal, in my opinion. And, and, and when the market crashes, you'll be sitting there in fear going, I can't invest now. The market just crashed. A hundred percent. Yes. And you, you won't see it coming. You won't be able to close on those deals. You're better off just getting started. And hey, if you keep making offers and you're not closing a deal, maybe that's something to look at. That's a very different position to be in than somebody who's sitting out, not doing anything. Correct. And now, like now, because we started doing deals maybe 10 years ago, like now, if opportunities show themselves, like I know how, like I know how to run when the next crash comes. Like we went too slow last time. This time mm -hmm. I can go full steam ahead because yeah. I've, I've done it and I've learned. You know where to find the money, how to do the deals, what a deal is, all those great things. And that's, that comes as a result of doing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Rocky, thank you for joining us today, teaching us about the Profit First system for real estate investors. If folks want to reach out, they want to learn more, they want to get in touch with you to talk about the system or anything else, where can they find you? Uh, so my website is profitcomesfirst.com. And you can find me there. And from there, you can find links to the podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Profit Answer Man. And all I do is teach how to use the Profit First system. Everything that I know, I share and let you get started and go make it happen. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a quick second, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, five stars if you don't mind. It's very much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show, helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And it helps me feel good because I get to see what you guys are saying. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, wants to escape the Wall Street casino alongside you and the rest of us, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.